Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The alibi calling eyes like the sky. Welcome everybody to Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil. And my name is Daniel Penner Klein. What's up, Ron Cecil? Hello, Daniel Penner Klein. Do you like how I jumped in there and introduced myself? Finally, thank fucking (laughs) God. Jesus Christ, it took 78 episodes for you to do it. (laughs) You know, there's layers, right? You just you just work the long con, layer layer things on. A year from now. Anonymously. (laughs) You know, I I had a a person who bought one of my paintings. Actually, congrats. Congrats. Yeah. More than one. It was amazing. Um and uh and they were like, and while we were bullshitting about, you know, uh, when to pick up and stuff, they noticed that I had a podcast with a friend. And so they started listening to the podcast, right? And then they were really into it and they listened to many episodes. Nice. And so when we did the pass off for the paintings, I always like to celebrate as much as possible, yeah. you know? And so let's like take our time. If the person has the time, let's have a glass of wine. If you open sure. to that, let's like celebrate. This is a big deal for both of us. Yeah. And so we did that. And we talked about the podcast a lot and she was gushing about yours and my dynamic. That's awesome. And it was, it felt so cool to be seen and recognized for something that, you know, feels so good when you do it. And it's like meaningful to someone else. Nice. Nice. I appreciate hearing that. That's awesome. Well, to whoever she is out there, thank you. I tip my, I, I raise my proverbial wine glass to you. <laughs> yeah. She was like, she was like, Ron's so kind of like flat and boring and they get misinformation. Snow. And then you just bring all this energy and the dynamic <laughs> know, just works. <laughs> That's what I hear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Cool, so, yeah. Do you have that happen often? I do actually. I don't know if you've noticed, but we actually have had like a good flood of, of new reviews on Apple podcasts and the, probably the number one thing people say on there is our, is our dynamic. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't know that I have. And I know we have more people who listen than we think. It always surprises me. But yeah. um, that's why I, I, you know, and another thing we were talking about with that lady, this um, relates to John who we're having on today is, you know, our little checklist of who we bring on here and, and is three things that are most important. And one of those things is, are you, are you interesting to talk to, to, yeah. to speak with? Can you speak and have a conversation that is interesting? And, and are you a live wire? Yeah. Yeah. And are you slightly dangerous in your conversation? Ooh, really? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> nice. Is there something at risk? <laughs> oh, I like that. Like you're just a little bit, like 5% of you is like, is this person going to go off the rails? <laughs> I'd play that role more than you. Come on, right? Have you ever been in a relationship with a friend like that where you don't know like if today's going to be the day where they lose their mind? And maybe a kind of a fun way, like you're like, it, it could go, it's a coin toss. It could be amazing. It could be one of the best days ever, or it could be like, this is not okay. Well, first of all, it's a good duck of my question. Secondly, 
Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. I had a couple of friends like that in high school where Oh, I do have a friend like they that. They were they were like smarter than me, very, very intelligent dudes. And when we would go out, it was like we might go to jail tonight or we might have one of the best times ever. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend where it's like if if we especially if we drink, because I handle my alcohol pretty damn well. Um although sometimes in the last five or ten years, if I'm really emotional, I can be a little a little bit pent up, but generally alcohol is a really good drug for me. And, uh, it went, but when I go out with this guy, it's like our friendship might end, or like you said, we might have the night of our lives, <laughs> but John has never been that way. And I, this is what I love about John There's John. This is someone I brought to the table. He's my painting mentor. I need to put that in his intro actually. Um, and, uh, he is, he is one of my favorite people on earth, Ron. His spirit and his frankness, his honesty, his intention with life, um, his joy, uh, the way he laughs, the way he handles, you know, he, he, he's, he handles his, his substances and they make his life better. He uses them responsibly, but like, you know, in the gray area, which is always good. And, and he's very productive and he's made his dreams come true. And it's just like, why would we not want to talk to I, someone? I love talking to people whose dreams have come true. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of the main reason I wanted to have him on and introduce you to him. I know you kind of met him, but he's also showed up to uh he he was the a musician we hired for my a mother's memorial, which is oh, the wow. end of that big story. And so, yeah. you know, flew him out from Florida and and he played at that three day event and you know, he's just he's been there for me during some really hard times when I was like struggling with emotions and and uh, that has to do with that story that you and I are working on and my mother and all that. And, and he really stepped up for me. And so there's a lot of points of contact with, with, uh, with John. Nice. Did you say I met him before? I think so. I mean, he's right there in Portland, good, really yeah. close friend of mine for like five years. We were right there. Huh. Okay. And he's, and he's buzzes or, you know, you're, he, he worked with buzz a little bit, like they know each other. So I just gotcha. figured you met. Yeah. Okay. Maybe so. Should we keep talking and just He's not here. really bring him on? Let's only talk about him for the next 90 minutes. <laughs> let's we'll see, let's see how I sit in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, practical joke. John Sylvester, you are a musician and painter. Your artistic ability was noticed at the age of eight when you had your first public showing in the St. Louis Art Museum. After studying in college, you apprenticed in Italy under modern painter and sculptor Salvatore Leto. Your art has been reviewed on international art talk radio, as well as in several editorials, including Herald Tribune, US uh, F Oracle and the Oregonian. At the age of 12, you began to discover a music talent as well. And in 2011, your original music scored the movie Prime of Your Life, which was selected to Cannes Film Festival. Currently, your rock band Audio Orchid is based in Sarasota, Florida. For many years, you drew on the synergy and at times conflict between your life as an artist and your devotion to music. The two passions have come to fuel each other and at times harmonize. Ideally, you play music like you paint, and when you paint, you use realizations arrived at through music. John, you value laughing your ass off, enjoying life every day, and at the same time not delaying, procrastinating, or beating around the bush of one's dreams. You believe in doing what you're passionate about, doing it now as much as possible, as well as you can, and not bullshitting yourself along the way. JS, welcome to Cutting for Sign. 
I like that. I like that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, that's what I love about you most, man. Um, you know, the way that you navigate your creative life, uh, the way you've prioritized it, the way that you um, don't delay on ideas. And you also never seem to be rushing, you know, um, you just, you create, if you want something done, you put it into action and you finish it. And I would say in my life as an artist and the artists I've been around, if there's one thing that stops people from moving forward as an artist, it's not whether or not their art is quote good. It's whether or not they're doing it, doing it consistently and with their heart. And that's what I've seen you do brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. What would you attribute that to? Cause I, I think there's many of us who are like, I'm a, I want to be a blah, blah, blah. I want to be an artist. I want to be a writer. I want to be, and we have a litany of, of excuses and sounds like you're a doer. I try, to be. I try to be, that's for sure. Um, it's just something that I love to do, you know, and I, I try to do it every day. Um, I definitely play music every day a lot and uh and i used to paint every day um my my goal every day was to do at least one thing artistically whether it was even going to you know dick blick or whatever to get new materials or hitting the studio or editing a video or whatever it was, I had to do at least one thing. And then usually, you know, it didn't just stop at one thing. Um, it would just kind of keep, that would just go to the next thing. And then, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, I would try to get as much done every day as, as possible, really. You know, there's a couple things there that are valuable for like artists at, who are trying to get the ball rolling or who have inner thresholds that keep them, you know, resistance. Uh, one of our guests coming up in, um, is Stephen Pressfield, who he wrote a book called, what is it? The War of Art. And in huh. that he talks about resistance and that that being the main thing that keeps people from their dreams from being from happiness from from feeling fulfilled from accomplishing what they want to set out to do and that is a real thing um yeah. and and what so i've it's essentially the opposite of the muse <laughs> right? that's good call man yeah. that's exactly what it is for sure well said man um and i've noticed <clears throat> Uh, I didn't know that that was your relationship with art during that time that I that I knew you. Basically, a little history for listeners is that John strolled into a, a fine dining restaurant that I worked at in um, Portland, Oregon, just a couple blocks from Ron's house. And uh, check it out. So this is a cool story. So he comes in and works. And, and we only knew him because of this really dysfunctional lady who would work for us who wasn't working and so oh yeah yeah and so and so but she had this roommate and long story short we were like oh he does work too this time we'll bring him in and we were busy one night so we bring him in right and he does fine and then uh we didn't need anybody for a long time many months and or we used other people i can't remember but basically i'm talking minimum six months later without having spoken to or listened or heard or seen him at all I go one day, Georgia was like, do you know anyone else who can help on this night? And I go, what about that guy, John? He was pretty good. And he goes, 
I don't have his number anymore. And I go, actually, I saved his number. And we fucking brought him in again. And he ended up being the main, the main, the main guy with me for several years. And, I, and not only that, he is an artist. And sorry, were you going to say something? I, I just was astounded that we of all three have worked at Giorgio's. Oh, you did too? You did one yeah. night. No way. <laughs> I worked there more than one night, asshole. Did you? That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It was probably somewhere in the neighborhood night. of two weeks, <laughs> three weeks. I, I forgot wow. about that. Yeah. I think her name was Laura. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Too. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, she offered to have me go in there. And I think she was kind of pissed because I, I started working in there and she kind of wanted to work in there. Well, well, what's crazy is your, yours and my life, yours and my life uh, or lives have interweaved a lot after that, because here's a couple things and all this will come back to the inspiration of art, but this is just cool. The way cutting for sign and life works, you know? And so he comes in, starts working. It's a unique place. Very nice, probably like the most expensive restaurant in Portland, but it's also very small and under understated. And so it was like, not very many of, many of us worked there. So long story short, he keeps working there and, and I'm kind of the main guy and he's the backup guy. And we had this dynamic. And then one day John comes in and goes, dude, do you know if there's any places to live? I want to get a new place. I'm living in a fucking cracked flop house. Like your, your, one of your roommates was like a heroin addict. It was rough. And you were like, I need out. And I go, actually, John, the place I live, which is a great fucking gem of a place. I just moved out and it's available and you ended up moving into the place that i lived for two years you lived there for several years and then when you moved out i moved back in i remember that and put another two years in and i uh, ended up having this epic place that's still going called fort liberty where that's, we the, that's it where, up on thurman huh yeah man it's like Amazing. where dudes go to grow up, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. up who, who lives in there now well, it's uh, my friend Jason, but I lived there with David and me and then my friend Jason and, and uh, Jason lives there. Well, it's funny and not Goodbye to buy horses. Far. What's that? Goodbye, Goodbye horses. horses. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, we can go down, down uh, lots of, lots of little um, memory lane tributaries, but to wrap it back around is when you lived at my old place, I lived just a block or two away. I'd moved out only because we found a better place in the same neighborhood. And so, um, and so I would see you often and I really got a close look at your creative process and you would, you would fucking get up at like eight in the morning and be painting or doing something creative for at like eight 30, you'd have coffee and you'd be going. And then you, uh, my understanding was you would go for eight hours or so and put in a good day's work and then you would play music and enjoy life in, in, in you know, in the other ways and through the evening. And you would do that about six days a week. And, um, you know, that has become John, the model that I've been slowly working toward and creating in my life ever since. Yeah, no, it, it was probably more like seven days a week, but it was, it was just because I, I, I kind of treated it as a job because I, I pretty much didn't even have a job. You know, it might've been Giorgio's for like a three hour shift on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I kind of, you know, wanted to try to treat it as a job, you know, and that was what I was trying to do. And, and it kind of unfolded pretty nice. And I met some really good people out there. Um, the weather was terrible. So it kind of trapped me in. So like there was no distractions, you know, which was kind of hmm. like a nice 
thing about it. You know, it's like, it's not nice out. So I can't really go necessarily do anything else. I didn't have a car. I, I pretty much didn't even have a bike that worked. So it was kind of <laughs> like, it was, there, there weren't a whole lot of uh, other, you know, options to sounds to- like a nice minimum security prison <laughs> yeah it kind of was but but daniel knows the the studio or you probably do too ron uh it was it was like the coolest room imaginable because it's like in forest park and it kind of felt like you were outside all day it's it, it was like a tree house yeah I've, yeah it's i've like been up there house. yeah i've been up there yeah. but uh, no ron there's one cool. room in that house that it's got all like, glass right like right yeah, at the totally. end of the porch on the corner uh-huh yeah 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 that room was special man that that uh that room ended up being my bedroom when i lived there with my mates and I so i would that. wake up yeah. yeah man but yeah you know that room i have another memory from that room and this is like one of the things i wanted to talk about too today is you know how to maintain creativity through the ups and downs of life and you know, I've had some pretty significant emotional issues that have kept me from being productive and being stable, and especially when I didn't really know how to take care of those things. And Ron and I talk about this type of stuff a lot. Yeah. You know, um, most of us have some some emotional issues that, um, you know, mental issues or physical issues, and those things kind of all overlap that keep us from being able to um, walk that productive, inspiration, inspiring line. Uh, um, creatively. And one of the things that keeps you from it is if you're in a level of anxiety or depression, that's over a two or three. Um, this is in my opinion and experience your, your creativity is, is one of the first things to go. And that's, that's brain chemistry. Like that is not a priority when you are in fight or flight mm-hmm. to any degree, um, to be creative. And so if you have some sort of suffering, some sort of mental illness, um, even mildly, it, it starts to cut into that and that ability to, to keep going, let alone run a business, you know, if it's your main thing. And, and I just always really appreciated you. You were a very stable force in my life when I was confronting some stuff. And it's inspired me, not inspired, I don't really like that word. It's, it's changed my values. My values are now not only to take care of myself in that way, but also like you did for me, provide that for others. Yeah. I I had a lot of fun when we would get together and I probably haven't even had anybody else to do this with still is, you know, learning how to critique somebody else or, you know, not like unselfishly, give an idea that is cool, you know, and not try to just take it. And, and it's just nice because it helps you become, you know, a better artist. And we, we did that. We would paint all the time and like, you'd say, Oh, this, 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 and that just kind of helps build the like motif or like my, my idea that, started as one idea and then each painting take that idea just a little further or as far as you can but in the progress of it it goes a little further and then it comes into this thing that you would have never you would have never known and it all started from a little critique of you know let's just say (laughs) i was painting those sunflowers you probably remember that piece eric has that and uh and then 
it was funny because I painted sunflowers and I didn't even paint like leaves. And and that was just like something that I didn't think about. And then Daniel was like, you know that they have, you know, like leaves on the stems, right? And I was like, huh, oh yeah, they do, you know? So that was like- yeah, We're not thing. getting very deep with our critiques here. It's like- uh, Yeah, well, that was just like- that was You're just painting a good picture. I'm imagining yeah. white pieces of paper with crayons. Yeah, but it's, it's just, it's, it's funny, like just just little things like that, that when you're in it, you don't you don't think about so it's nice to have somebody that you can you can come over and kind of see and bounce yeah. ideas off of and like it keeps you focused like when we would be together like you know it he would have an idea and then I would know what to work on you know what I mean like and it's it's nice like I miss having that community to kind of keep you um I don't want to say keep you in line, but keep you focused and packed with ideas and, and yeah. whatever, whatever it might be. Another perspective on a piece of create a, a, on a creative project on any project is so stupidly valuable. That's something that's changed so much. And Ron and I work on this one in our writing group, you know, and Ron's a writer uh, working on a novel and, you know, he, you know, he, we had this thing where it was like, one day I was like, Art, you know, Ron, you know, you're an artist, right? Like fucking writers are artists, especially if you're writing fiction and you're an artist, you're creating your brush strokes are words, you know, your colors are characters, you know, you're, you know, um, there, there's analogous, um, you're writing to that. your voice. I mean, a hundred percent, man, you know? And he was like, <laughs> you can see him kind of squirm a little bit, you know, he's like, I'm not an I artist. still squirm. <laughs> Yeah. And that's one of the things that keeps you from moving forward, in my opinion, yeah. to be frank, you know, like an artist, yeah. a creator, it does have that rough shadow, you know, a um, uh, little bit messy, maybe, um, you know, uh, there's a, as a part of you, Ron, that I'm just like, dude, if you did take that left instead of that right down back in San Francisco, like 20 years ago, when you were romantically thinking about, you know, being a, a writer down there, you know, I'm curious what, what parts of your personality would have um, been fed and what they would grow into. Do you ever think about that? Probably would have died of a drug overdose, <laughs> but my writing would have been amazing. <laughs> he would have hit would the spot be very celebrated <laughs> and, and mourned greatly by my, <laughs> my fans. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah, that, that might be true too, huh? <laughs> I, it's probably not far from the truth. Yeah, I, I, I have gotten better at accepting the idea of myself as a writer, and I've gotten certainly better at the idea that that um, is foolish to think that my writing has to be good right now, and that 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 writing is of, is a service to myself, my soul, and to the muse, as Stephen Pressfield says. And in some way, maybe to some reader out there at some point in the future, but the, but it's not for them, it's for me. And and for the care and feeding of my soul, like it is a, that's the number one reason to do it for myself. And okay, dude, I got a question for you, Ron. Yeah. Five years from now, the the Ica guy, you know, the Ica guy version, the, the where, <clears throat> you know, writing, well, you, you, John, are you 
familiar with that term, ikigai. It's a Japanese term of where the what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what make what you can make money doing. It's where all of those things intersect. Mm. <clears throat> it's all like the circles that, that you see them make diagrams of. All four of those things oversect in one little place. And what's the thing? The middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And let's say like Ron, you know, writing was yours. And um and you could but also like thinking practically of what your life is. What what's like an ideal where do you want to be in five years as a writer? Probably writing a, about a book uh a year or so. Whoa, that's fast, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the the I mean the book I've been writing on for the last couple of years has just bogged me down. And I and I realize like I actually do better going fast than Oh, I could see that for you. Absolutely. Not thinking to, too much and over not thinking too much, allowing paragraph. it to be a bit pulpy, allowing it to be um, yeah. yeah rough and and just to start pumping them out. Because I, I think there's a I think I'm getting lost in details right now when I when the storyline is so good that I, and I'm really proud of it. And I, and I am getting stuck on like these nuances that I just don't need to get worried about right now. And so I'm thinking even this story, like, you know, I've got 90,000 words and just like, fuck that. Let's chop this down to 60, call it a novella and just get this story out of my system because I've already, I'm getting ideas for more stories and I, and I don't want to lose those. Dude, I've never heard you say that before. That's I love that, man. Do that. That's awesome. Okay. I will. Yeah. Something good about that mentality too is the idea that there's always going to be another book. So like yeah. you have to encapsulate every single thing into one book. You know, it's just like you just yeah. make that and then you have an idea and you can use that on the next book. And it's like, it's like, I could relate that to painting, you know, it's as you're painting, you might have an idea and you don't have to just keep putting it into the same one. You just complete that idea and then you're already set on the next one. That's, I mean, that's what goes through my head when I heard you say that. Well, yeah. John too has had a unique, he's played with that. Like remember for a while, John, for all I know, you're still doing this. You would, paint a miniature version of the next painting in each painting remember oh, that? yeah yeah it's cool you yeah. would see dude ron you would see the whole next painting in each before it was fucking cool it was like the sketch <clears throat> of the next painting and then the idea was like it would be like time travel or something like yeah. you would have all the paintings next to each other and it's like zooming in to it's like a yeah, portal like from one to the to, other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, that was like the idea. So the, well, like the furthest I've gotten with that idea is like four paintings deep. But yeah, I think it would be cool to have it more. And if it ends like that, then it ends like that. But dude, yeah, it's a little idea. This, there's this epic painting of mine that's still unfinished. It's, it's like one of the first paintings I ever did. It's called Valhalla. Oh, yeah. John calls it, John calls it Val. Because I had this idea. It is a pretty good idea um, just as an exercise. And that is paint a room that is a metaphor for your life and fill that room up with what that room could look like ideally for you in your life. What's your room want to look like if you mm -hmm. had a great hall and money was not an object and like, like 
time and physics isn't enough. You can put dead people, like whatever you want. <clears throat> this is a good like um, exercise. So I started this thing. I'm picturing, and, I'm picturing National Treasure, but with National women. <laughs> What do you mean? The movie with uh, the movie with um, um, yeah, you know the movie National Treasure, and they find yeah, the, with Nick the Cage. giant. Nick say Cage. what? Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Couldn't remember. My his boy name. Nick Cage. Dude, yeah. That's his tax. That's his like. Uh, I need to make some money movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad one though. No, that's a big. That's a big budget one, I think. But that's what do you mean? Phil, show that, us on Vahal, like your room is like this big giant treasure room, Fuck but yeah, also dude. full of beautiful women. Oh, you know, that's even better ideas. Have someone else fill up your room with what they think you'd like. And you probably learn something about yourself. <laughs> well, I think, I think Daniel had a really good breakthrough on this painting because I watched it Fuck happen. You. I know and exactly what you're going to say. He, he painted this just perfect marble floor, right? And it probably took him a week or two to get the marble floor just, just, anatomically correct like proportionally just perfect and then he painted a rug over the whole thing fucked up rug he, he painted a rug thing. over the whole thing no it was a nice rug so i think that was a valuable lesson is to like kind of spend a minute and think you know what that is some solid self-sabotage i love guys. that shit Seriously, <laughs> man. and then and then over the rug he painted the table so it was kind of like it was kind of like you gotta you gotta plan it out you know to save some time i don't know i we were and and, and even daniel would laugh his, his ass off about it okay. uh, was this when you had it was this when you were uh, uh, for liberty no, man. This was this when I cool. lived there. Yeah. And we got into a routine where we were trying to paint as, mu as much as possible. So he might come over for an hour one day, or he might come over for all, the whole eight hours or yeah. however long it was. But it was just, and and we would just bounce ideas, you know, back and forth. Like he'd give me an idea, I'd give him an idea. But it was, he, I think you used to leave that painting over and just kind of come did, over yeah. and and yeah. work on it he used to be I was, able to walk down a staircase and basically be in my house but would you just turn that painting around so you wouldn't have to look at it and think of all the yeah. wasted hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'd keep it outside if y'all john's yeah. like you know you know there's uh, there's there's that um i was just telling a friend about this there's there's this program called under earners like it's like alcoholics anonymous under earners anonymous and a friend of mine was telling me about it and basically like there's all these things that people do that you wouldn't really think of that keep you from earning money like in life. <clears throat> and that can be applied to, you know, mental health or, you know, any other aspect of your life, but there's specific around like earning money and, you know, a painting, spending a, a fucking week on, <laughs> on a tile floor that you put a rug over, you know, and then a that, table over that. Well, and I, yeah. it's a good and then joke the right? on top of the table. <laughs> you guys. All right. <laughs> no. uh, and, and then a curtain, like in the foreground that covers yeah. all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just see about a one inch. <laughs> this, it feels a little bit like the mandala paintings. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. That's what it is. Oh man. The theory is that you can sense that that was painted underneath there fully and that it should now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was, it was. The like one thing I've never asked cool. you, Daniel is, um, <laughs> is when did you decide to start painting? 
Well, um, that's a great fucking question, man. That's a question of the of the, the of the day because that leads ex- exactly into <clears throat> uh, one of my. You could favorite just answer moments. the question. One of my favorite fu- <laughs> moments with John. A little bit first. If you give me five more seconds, I just might. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we were before this, uh, John, we were. Um, uh, we always like talk about what we want to do a little better. And, and Ron was like, I want to just like be a little more of an asshole, you know, specifically to you, <laughs> to Dan. you in particular. <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you're doing sounds, good. Good. I know. I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks um, a lot, Marks. Yeah. So there was a day I was going through, I went through a divorce, um, from someone I was with for quite a while. And it was, you know, it was, it was interesting because my first response to it was elation. You know, I just felt free and I wasn't grieving at all. And and I had a bunch of time and I reconnected with a part of myself that I had kind of left behind, you know, and not to the other person's fault, but my own, <clears throat> just not really understanding how to be in a relationship. And so long story short, uh, I would go over to John's house a little bit more often than, <laughs> than I would. Um, again, which not, is also the place where you lived with your ex-wife, right? For a little it while. It is a tangled we, we, uh, web we weave. Yeah. yeah. So I would go over to the place where John lived, which was where me and, and my and that partner at the, just before that had, had lived together before John moved in. So it was a place of a lot of, um, a, a lot of emotion, but I wasn't really feeling the emotion at that time that came hmm. later. Hmm. So what happened was I was hanging out with John one day and he's painting. This is before I painted. And he goes, have you ever painted? Like, you ever want to paint? And I was like, I was like, yeah, I would do a drawing every once in a while, like every year when I was a kid. He was um, really was good trying- at it, though. You know, like I even just his because he started with a couple drawings and they were like, oh, like hyper realism, you know, like I, I re- you know, about this time, <clears throat> I remember coming um, to hang out with you up there, Daniel. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to paint. And and I didn't have like the connection in my brain of one, why you would even start. Didn't know you did like what your background was it, but you showed me your work and I was like, Whoa, this, this is real art. It and came it was, fast as probably something I should have been doing for my whole life. <laughs> did you have like a, a time prior in your life where there was a clue to do that and you, and you didn't pick it up? Definitely, man. Notice. Yeah, great question. Thanks, man. You guys are kind of indulging me here, but this is this is this is kind of one of the main stories of my life, and it applies to cutting for sign. Because um, when I was a kid, I would do uh, drawing every once in a while. You know, I don't know. I just liked doing it every once in a while. But I was primarily an athlete, and there's high energy, and you know, it wasn't something my parents really pushed. They kind of just let me do what I wanted to do. But I would do a drawing every once in a while. And I was particularly good at looking at something and being able to recreate it just Mm. by line of sight. And so uh, they would turn out really good, but I just never did more of it. I did about once a year. And that actually continued my whole life. I would do a drawing about once a year. Well, check it out. My great aunt, all through that time, she was uh, an artist and she had a lot of crafty things like colored pencils and acrylic paints and photography stuff, right? And she just slowly over the years would give me her stuff more and more and more. And what happened was I, and then she died and she gave me fucking everything. And this is just for continuity in my storyline of Daniel. Yeah. This is your birth mom's aunt. Exactly. So this this is is kind of significant because you, you know, your birth mom died when you're four. 
but yeah. you have this connection to that life still through your aunt. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's like, it's really like Omar was my name for that part of my life. And it was like, this is Omar's life, you know, yeah. that they kept being invited back to it through creativity, through these mm. belongings, mm. tons of brushes, canvases, matting board, matting cutters, a ton. And when she died, I got all of this stuff. Well, what happened is I boxed it all up. I didn't get rid of it. I, and I like really carefully, you know, organized it. And then when um, I did that breakup with that person I was with for a long time, you move and you, you, all, you know, all their stuff is leaving and you have more room. And I just kind of got it out, Ron. And right about that time, I was going over John's a lot. And one day he goes, you know, do you ever paint or do you want to, or do you want to do a painting? And I was like, the same resistance that I'd always had in my life from doing drawing, even doing drawings, mm -hmm. I can't, it's, and you see it in other people that are varying degrees. I can't paint. I don't know how it's very yeah. intimidating. Yeah. Fucking John is the perfect person to be around in with that mindset. Cause he'll be like, well, just do it. You know, hang out. Here's a beer, you know, have some, have a, have a puff, like whatever, like, let's just kick back and enjoy it, but go get your canvas also. <laughs> yeah. And so I did, dude, I ran up the hill grabbed a canvas. Uh, I grabbed the old brushes. I grabbed a couple paints. John let me, you know, he filled in the holes because I didn't know what the others were, what, what, which ones to use. And I did a painting and I always wanted to paint. I always wanted to draw a castle when I was a kid hmm. and I fucking couldn't do it. I didn't know it wasn't the internet. You don't have like pictures of castles within two, two seconds. And I remember trying and it was dumb and I just didn't do it. And so I was like, John, I'm going to paint a castle. Hmm. <clears throat> so I did, I painted a castle and took a couple days and and uh, it turned out way better than I thought. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, I'm going to do more of this. And I busted out all of my, my uh, great aunt's painting stuff, got it organized. And I'll tell you guys, that was seven years ago. And I just this last week finished off the last tube of her paint. Cool. Wow. The last one. That's cool. That yeah. is very cool. That's significant. What was your aunt's yeah. name? Daria. Daria. You know what's even funnier about that? What is it when the Ron, can you look this up? What is it when a word has the same amount of letters and the same letters in it just re reorganized? Uh, word with Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, John? Like um yeah, it's like when you can spell a bunch of different words with the same letters. I don't Yeah, like dog and god have three letters and then the same three letters. Yeah, know? I don't know what you would call that. The reason that I bring it up is cuz when that woman left, her name was Adria and my great aunt's stuff that all got exploded out when she left, her name's Daria. And it's the they same call it an anagram. Uh, yeah, oh, or palindrome. Right? I think palindrome is like oh, forward and backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same word. And yeah. then I think anagram is the anagram. Yeah. Yes, that's a cool word, anagram. So yeah, the person who oh, left anagram for the shit that kind of ended up changing my life. And I always made thought that was that's cutting for some. You know, we call this Ron. Can you explain? Can you share with with John like what cutting for sign is? You're probably confused yeah. about. It. Yeah, cutting for sign is an is an archaic uh, phrase used by hunters and trackers, meaning to look for the clue or the footprint for the thing that you're after. It's still used commonly among border patrol on looking for the footprints of the people that they're after, uh, and still okay. used commonly amongst um, poach poacher hunters in Mozambique. Uh, really? looking for the, looking for the men who are, who are killing, you know, the animals that they're there to protect. 
So oh. looking for that little like divot in the in the soil or that little bent blade of grass. Yeah. For us, it's a metaphor of, of of our highest self or our, you know, the part of us that, you know, you have, I would say for you, John, I, I, I have met countless people who have said that they want to be an artist and they are an interior designer or they are, um, they work in a, <clears throat> an office somewhere. Well, an interior design is art. That's a creative, yeah. there's I think any oh, fucking art. Oh, oh, totally. But I mean, there, there's a, there is, but there's a portion of art in their life that they yeah. have not stayed loyal to. And I, I will say my, that is my deal. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, even in college, someone was, would tell me you should be a writer. And I would like walk all the way to the English department, <clears throat> look around and I'd leave or, you know, <clears throat> some version of that where, um, you know, I would even have maybe a breakthrough with a connection to somebody asking me to write something or read something and then, and then just give it up. Um, but you have, I don't know if you've heard the story of, of, um, Cormac McCarthy, go, like being married a bunch of times to women who, who were like, Oh, this guy's a great writer. I should just hold on to this thing and stay married to him. And through his early years of writing, none of them could hang because he was, he was devoted to poverty as long as his writing was done, was done. And there's a interview with him with uh, Oprah. John, this is, this is a guy who's considered like the like greatest if not living. The, like he might be the goat. English writer right now. Yeah, he's, a, he's still living. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah. put out a new book like I know. last week. So yeah. he's he's devoted to poverty. Well, he he was like so so he ta tells a story about how he ran out of money and couldn't afford a toothpaste, and he was out of toothpaste, and he's like, I well, I have a deadline for this book. And I know if I need toothpaste, it's going to find me. <clears throat> and just that day he goes to his, his, um, uh, mailbox opens up the mailbox and there's a sample size toothpaste that someone had mailed to him Jesus. like a, as a marketing tool. <laughs> he's like, okay. You know, he just has this like, trust, this, like giving this deep wow, trust. Man. Yeah. Fuck. You know, and he's won a Pulitzer. He's, you know, many of his books have been turned to movies. No Country for Old Men is one of his, you know, more famous ones. Oh, wow. I love, I love that movie. Yeah. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Maybe the greatest villain, you know, of the of, of modern era. There's a there's a guy in like uh, Switzerland or something who studied 400 of the most psychopathic characters in works of fiction in, in movie history. And fucking Anton Chigurh was number one. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, number wow. one craziest psychopath. Yeah, That's cool. I mean, he really thought he was an agent of fate, right? Like he, yeah, that was the whole point of his deal. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's not me. It's fate. That was one of the criteria. Is you have, you're not like, you're very clear, <laughs> very clear <laughs> on what you want. Yeah, but I want to bring this back to you, John. Like, I, I, like, that's not common to someone to go. I'm gonna do this anyway and you were describing like well I, I wasn't working i was working i was a waiter a few times a, a day you know a week a few hours a week but i am gonna take this job as a creator as an artist and a musician seriously yeah. and i mean you're not in a, a shed right now i'm looking at a beautiful home that you're in oh, and yeah. <laughs> i'm not i'm not a struggling artist so to speak anymore yeah yeah, yeah. Is, and that's huge it's yeah. massive yeah and that that I got really lucky. You, you ever read that book or heard of that book, Outliers, uh, Malcolm Gladwell book? Long story short, it's just about what creates people who are doing, uh, um, who are 
outside of the, they're extreme. You know, Tiger Woods would be like a, a, the perfect example of this. Mozart, maybe even better example. But then you start untying and unthreading their life, and you go, oh, th- this wasn't a mis- as much a mysterious, you know, talent. You know, they had a parent that started teaching them when they were three. You know, they had this uh, element, they had that element, and then next thing you know the elements all equal, oh, that all equaled that person becoming this thing. And of course, I'm not saying it's all or nothing. There may be one of those factors is um, some sort of mysterious innate talent. I get that. But one of the lucky things that I got and why I was able to progress quickly as a painter was John. You know, I lived right next door to John and I worked with John. And that part of me that gets hung up and resists and comes up with the reasons to not, John fucking took like, took a samurai sword to that shit every day with comments with with his attitude you know and it just john like you helped me so much and because i think of that you were you were there so often i just have your voice permanently in me and it slashes reasons to not do something all the time every day thank you that's a great compliment i'm glad i do you did that help you when you were when when you were kind of mentoring him, guiding him? Did that help you as an artist? It actually did, yeah. yeah. Um, Didn't paint um, over any tile floors, I'll tell you that much. Well, maybe it helped me even more, to be honest. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely, when I would say something, and I'm not saying it as an insult or anything like that, but like when you would say something that seems so basic or whatever, like like don't paint the tile under the rug, that would also help me like kind of think, Oh, well maybe I, cause I do that too yeah. in a yeah. roundabout way, you For know? Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of like would gear towards maybe like if I developed the idea a little bit, even in my own head before just going into it, then that could save me weeks of time and energy and then that would equate over the course of your life to like even if it's one more painting it's worth it but realistically it's probably hopefully hundreds more paintings with the amount of time that you would save so it's it's like just little realizations that I would say to him or he would ask a question and I would I wouldn't even had thought about it really and through explaining it it would actually click with me more. So like I would actually yeah. learn the lesson. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes yeah, perfect sense. Like, I, I mean, well, the reason I asked, I, and I was guessing you were going to say that because the, the, I, 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 um, I stopped drinking almost nine years ago and I used AA to help me stop in the early days. And I still go occasionally and in the magic, and I will say this, it is magical is what they call a 12 step which is to go help somebody who's trying to stop drinking. And, and you don't have to have a bunch of time under your belt. All you have to do is not be not drinking and, and, and desire to help someone who wants to do the same thing. And there is something, and it's actually better for the person who is helping than it is for the person who's being helped. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And I, and I think there's something to that in, in all of life. Right. And in, in, in this creative world, 
I know that get, being in community with Daniel and another guy in our writer's world, it's like the act of helping makes me more critical in a good way oh my God, of yeah. my own work. And, and this, you know, there, there's something to it. And I, I know that if there's something, if I'm like at a loss in my creative world or if I'm at a loss for some part of my life that needs, needs something, like I've found that one of the best tools for me is to go help somebody who I know is struggling with the same thing at that moment. And, and getting better at a skill. If you want, yeah. I remember this through martial arts, you, you know, we were in, encouraged to, I don't, I'm not a martial arts anymore, but it was a big part of my life for a long time. And the art that I was in, you're teaching, but if you were a little bit ahead of someone, you would, you would be encouraged to teach them. And then you'd be leading class as a purple belt, you know, a couple belts in leading the beginning class. Yeah. And so all through, all through martial arts, you're, you're teaching more and more and more. And long story short, fuck man, I, I would think I would know something at a certain level. You know, I'm not saying I would know it or not know it. Like I knew it uh, this much. And then you'd go to teach it to someone and you're like, oh my God, yeah. I don't, I don't know this nearly as well as I thought I did. And so I don't know if that's exactly what we're talking about with John, but man, like in my classes, I still go to school for painting and, and I, I had a career going. I'm a unique person in my painting school because I'm seeing, I'm putting myself through painting college with my painting. You know, I, my day job is painting and that's been tricky, you know, because I'm also breaking down. I'm there for good reason. But I think that seeking out, that's why Ron, like, I don't know if you'll get to do it, but I hope so much that you go and you're able to take a writing class because, you know, you, you've written some of the stuff that I've, that is some of the best writing I've ever read. Like two or three sentences scattered about a chapter here and there, like several places. And I'm like, that's as good as it gets. Like that is excellent writing. And I can't stand reading because our, my attention span is super low these days because of tech and my choices around that. But those things that you've written, I'm like that reading I'll fucking read because it took me somewhere. It put something in my brain. It moved me. It, it showed me life in a different way. Ron, we joke about all the time, John, Ron has this incredible ability to describe people smoking. Um, but that's not the only thing that he does really well. He describes uh, moving your hands and like tactile things very well. You know, he, he does other things very well too, but that one sticks out a lot to me. Um, you know, and so fucking hey, man, it's like to, to do something very well, but you know, you do, you need a lot of help in other aspects of the craft. It's like, go learn those other aspects. Cause when you bring update those aspects, now you're, you're really good ones. They're free to fucking go forward. Do you know what I mean? Does that? Yeah. Is that, yeah. It's, it's, well, I think, that. I think like what deters a lot of people, even they could be incredible at whatever the craft is, is whether or not like it's feasible to make yeah. money doing it. And like it's a huge deterrent. It's, it's, it's like, but that tragic. doesn't yeah. see like in a, in a perfect world, you know, I love, I love our world that we live in, but in a perfect world, like that shouldn't matter. Yeah. You know, like, like you should do the thing regardless of making the money because yeah actually in that way it's like the purest form you know like you're not you're creating your art exactly how you want to do it nobody has to like it nobody has to buy it it's just for you you know and then 
you know, it's just, just every day, like you should feel like you're becoming more you or better at what you yeah. want to do, you know? And, and I think like, that's something that I've, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn or anything like that, but that's something that I would try not to think about when I was doing it is like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, you know, worked eight hours a day on whatever it is and I have nothing to show for it, but really you do. Mm -hmm. It's just not financial, you know? Yeah. So like, that's something that I would try to rule out. And I think anybody trying to do something creative should, should do that. And yeah, you got to do what you got to do to survive. You got to wait tables. You got to, you know, whatever it is, Uber drive. I don't know. I don't care, but it's for the art. I think if you're willing to give it the time to develop and become you and get your voice, like Daniel told me, like you got to find your voice. If you allow yourself to do that, then the rest will follow. And, and it doesn't even mean like, becoming a millionaire or whatever yeah it's just like getting anything even if it's the satisfaction where you sleep really good at night knowing that you did something better you know that's that's where i think it is and finding your joy and your bliss and then the rest will like come whenever it comes it doesn't even matter it's just how did, how did you do that when you were when you were working you know, three hours a week at, uh, <laughs> Giorgio's. Well, well, before that, I was How did you not fall into for, despair? Um, well, one thing is everything was cheaper, you know, back then. So I was cool. Um, I was cool just eking by mm -hmm. as long as I could do that. I was cool with that. You had a high pain tolerance for just, just threading. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. need that much, you know, and I was selling art too. So it was like, let's just say I'd work and, you know, luckily that job was, was you got paid a decent amount for very minimal work and hours. So it was actually my ideal situation. Yeah. I'd probably still do it right now if I, if I wanted, because it was so chill and yeah. kind of fun in a way. Uh, oh, John, one of my pieces, I sell stuff to Giorgio's uh, uh, guests to this day. Yeah, great people. I, know, it's I, a good place to be artists. You got people with a lot of money coming in who like art and they got the time to buy it. You know what I'm saying? But John I, would like, flash his phone in front of every every guest. And oh, I'd love to. Menu, yeah. And his phone would be right on top with his art. Un unfortunately, <laughs> back then, I was only just finding my voice you know and it was it was starting to click and i could see it in people's reactions to what i was showing them it was it was starting to click and now it's clicking even more and then it's clicking even more and more and more um but i did allow myself that and it probably took i'd say the whole time i was there probably five or six years of that you know and um everything was a lot cheaper basically when i moved out there i sold everything sold my car so that gave me like a little leeway um and i i was working i actually got a job at 
Ruth's Chris, which sucked. Um, and I was working a lot, you know, and so I saved up a little bit like that. But then when I moved into, uh, what do you call it, Daniel? Uh, Fort Liberty, man. Fort, Fort Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it wasn't as expensive as what I have to do now. So it's like, it, it actually just allowed me more free time to do what I wanted to do. And that's like an... <laughs> more valuable than, than saving up a few hundred bucks here and there. Yeah. With all of that fucking said, there was also this thing that me and John had where for quite a while, I felt like every time I went over, I went, I came uh, out 30 bucks lighter because he would sell me a bag some paint in it oh yeah (laughs) every time i went over that i was like i just paid john another 30 bucks for something (laughs) i know (laughs) but but it was actually like you needed it you know what i mean like i don't think i told you anything that you did right now you better watch your venmo account you'll be fucking some money by the end of this conversation (laughs) you actually needed it oh so so dan remember the painting (laughs) that we were working on together whoa what the painting that first painting calling of saint michael the calling of saint michael or yeah remember that when your first art class and we were talking and we were painting together recently yeah the caravaggio yeah i'm sorry i thought you meant though a piece we were working on together just i I finished that one oh you did you finally finished it yeah i finished it. year and a half later good job really proud of you yeah wow. just undermine everything i said nice about this, you. there was something else we wanted to tell you about uh john is we also bring people on here just to like shame them yeah whatever <laughs> make ourselves feel better well, i know you oh, don't I know me like daniel does but i'm i'm pretty good at at that game you know <laughs> i i uh i don't get you know i don't get hurt too easily John, so. one of one of the a little John's one of those people where as I would hang out with him, his personality would show up in my personality, like little things I would say. It was, a, it was the highest form of compliment, you know. And there's something that I do to this day. I, I do it with Ron sometimes. And this is cool. I'll tell you where this comes from, Ron. But some, I'll, you know, let's say you say something and and it's actually funny, and the person has a moment and they truly laugh. Then there's like a little beat, and then you go, "You like that one, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> heard you say that i got that from john man. yeah you do that yeah like, <laughs> you kind of like that didn't you <laughs> what's funny too is that when i it took me like two or three years of practicing that because it would you would do it and it would come off really charming and i would say the same fucking words with the same fucking timing and it would come off really arrogant <laughs> i was like god damn it my essence is different than john <laughs> i'll agree awesome, with that man. i agree with that Oh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. That one really got you, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Like you're surprised after you just saw them thoroughly enjoying it. Like, I just turned it, I turned it into another joke that I'll do that actually works a lot better for me. Um, which is you'll say something and people are like, yeah, good call. You can tell they're into it. And then you pause and then you go, did you buy that crock of bullshit? <laughs> did you buy all that? <laughs> Ships rarely sail alone. <laughs> Dude, John and I are fucking, this is a good, this is a good laugh, man. John, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the first, I'll set it up here, man. See if you can take it home. Cause I don't know if I can close this one. I can't remember exactly, but John and I are staring at some painting that he did. And I'm, and I'm like, and there was a ship in it 
just one ship. And I was like, oh, you No, there were, there was a few ships. Oh. A few ships. That's right. And and he asked me and he asked me um why are you why are you doing like why are you even painting a few? And I really didn't even know why, but I just, I said it and I said it with such conviction. I said, it's because ships rarely sail alone. <laughs> and I've never sailed. Actually, Daniel has. <laughs> and, and he bought it. <laughs> and he bought it. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. But then, yeah, like, I mean, when you said a, it a few minutes ago, I was like, oh, it must be something that's. We had a well moment known. where. We, yeah, it sounded, we like, it sounded good, it you so know, wise. and it sounded believable. And probably like 10 minutes later, he's still thinking about it. <laughs> he was like, he was like, wait, no, actually, <laughs> primarily ships do sail alone. Like, that's, that's mainly the way they do it. <laughs> That's almost the point to go sailing. Like, <laughs> but I said it with such conviction, he believed it. I like, I said it to a sailor, and it wasn't like the conversation was so fast. We we're just nodding our heads. Like he said yeah. it, and then there was a moment where we just took in the deep wisdom of that like, of that yeah. statement. That is true, man. That they they don't sail alone. <laughs> Never do. Man. Mm, that's wise. That's good. Yeah, I John, don't even know uh, what that has to do with anything, but it was just a funny story. Uh, so, John, uh, I, I know we've got like maybe t- twenty minutes or so. So, I there was was something I wanted to pivot to, unless you had something more to say, Ron. Was I did anything? actually. I think there is something actually kind of valuable about buying your own bullshit sometimes. And oh, if you, you don't tell. believe your own bullshit, who else is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a fine, there's a fine <laughs> line of like the bullshit that's harmful and keeping you from doing the shit that you want to do, and yeah. the conviction of, um, I believe what I just said for a moment. It may not be true, but I believe it, and I and I there's like a conviction of your own value in that. Like there's a conviction of like your ability Fuck in yeah. that, and I. I think there's a, there's a threshold for us that we have to, we had to buy, we got to buy into that stuff for ourselves. You know, like you said, and laugh about it when it like, when someone's like actually, you know, as long as it's not harmful, you know, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You lie to other people in a negative way. That's easy. You lie to yourself in a negative way. That's, these are imaginable. These are easy to imagine doing people do it. But then there's people, you know, who they're so convinced that they're very good looking when maybe they're classically not at all. And they kind of become good. Look, like yeah. it changes who they are and how they see. So how we buy into that, you know, and I think one of the tricks is, is it's more than just conscious, you know, and you're just slapping something on the surface. Like when you yeah. really believe something you have that belief, someone else might call a lie can literally be the vanguard to you creating your future. You know, it's kind of like a fake it till you make it. I mean, that's a, like a really cheesy, terrible way to say it, but yeah. Isn't it? So but, the, but the other I mean, side of that coin is, is how many experts believe that there are, um, what is that word? Um, what's that phrase? When you, imposter syndrome, how many experts believe that they're an imposter? You know, there's a, there's a famous TED mm. talk, <clears throat> which, you Lots. know, the big, the big, TED talk stage, you, it's an invite only audience and they, and they are like upper level academics and artists and, and technology folks. And there's this famous talk where a woman goes, okay, everybody close your eyes. 
and raise your hand if you feel like an imposter. And it was the majority oh. of the room. The majority of the room felt like they shouldn't be there. So there's this, there, there is this kind of idea that you have to believe in your shit, in your stuff, in your, in your, um, your right to exist in that space, in the space, the table that you want to sit at. You know, <clears throat> there's this song. I'm, it's funny. I'm doing an open mic tonight and I'm going to sing a song, which is not one of my strengths to perform in front of people. John Silvestri is like, it's, it's his whole jam. Like he's really good in front of people. And, um, it's one of the places my little trip ups come and I kind of disassociate and it becomes really hard to memorize, um, lyrics, you know? And so I was like, I need to start consistently challenging this part of myself. And so I'm learning the song, but I mention it because the first line in that song, the reason I'm choosing it is because this first line, it's exactly what you just said. The song is the truth is that I've never shook my shadow. Every day it's trying to trick me into doing battle. Calling out faker always gets me rattled. That's that exact same thing, you know? That's cool. That is cool. What's the name of that song? The name of the song is Truth. And it's 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 awesome. It's a beautiful fucking song. I so John, just side note, guys, I think this is a really cool thing to do for anybody playing music out there. Is there's so much music these days. This idea of saying things, you know, makes it can help things make become a reality. Well, when you're doing something like that and you're and you're loving what you're doing, like so if you sing lyrics to a song and you believe those mm-hmm. lyrics too, that's an even more powerful way to kind of lock in and change, you know, your mind, lock in some beliefs and change your mind. And so I made a deal with myself. The only songs that I'm going to actually learn and, and perform in front of people and sing for myself are ones that are also have lyrics that I fucking take the hook. I believe the line of bullshit. You know what I mean? That's Uh cool. That's very Uh cool. And that was the first one. I was like, fuck yeah, man. Almost every line in this. And then if the, if the lyrics, if I don't, but I really like the song, I'll rewrite the lyric. You believe (laughs) the line of bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's another that's our other podcast john, yeah. john, uh, ron ron john and dan on bullshit <laughs> the power of bullshit i mean certain contexts fertilizer and everything fucking grows around it <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah no yeah um but yeah if if uh if you didn't have anything else ron i wanted to say um or john uh about that all that stuff you know john um came to uh, an event that was really special in my life. It was my mother's memorial. It was a belated uh, 30, 33 years in the future memorial for my mother's uh, life and death. And her remains were never found, so there was never a, a, a memorial. And so long story, again, short, you know, um, we ended up having one. And we it was a three-day event. It was in 2018. And we hired John to be the performer for the event. You know, and not that it was, <laughs> that makes it sound like a little bit weird. It was a celebration of her life and people came from all over the country to do just that. And I thought John would be the perfect person to, um, to, uh, to like MC that in a way. We had another MC who's yeah. going to be a guest on this, but. I wouldn't even say, you know, I mean, you sort of hired me or whatever, but I think it was just kind of like, you know, it's just more fun hang out for everybody when there's music going on and then it turned into a big jam and you know we got we got three or four of us up there jamming out you know and it's it was just a it's just it's just something to make it 
more fun. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like you hired me so that everybody could put their chairs around and just watch me and not think about what we were actually doing there. It was just kind of like, just to make it, I don't know, more fun, I guess. I'm a huge proponent of hiring art, hiring musicians, buying art and in any way supporting artists, but in ways that re enriches your life too. Like if you're going to have a barbecue or an event, like hire a fucking acoustic guitarist and chuck them in the corner, give them a hundred bucks, you know, and it changes the entire night. Next thing you know, maybe someone else is up there and you learn <clears throat> every house in, in like Daniel's land has a piano. I would, I would put a piano in I every house, yeah. you know? And w one time I did that, I finally put one in my own house and and these magical little moments would start to happen and people would be like, oh, I used to play when I was a kid and then they'll sit down at it and then they're actually like really good and then another person comes and then, you know what I mean? And having you at that event was kind of like the piano in the, in the house. I was just like, I want to put John here. And because of like your natural ability to be, just be very comfortable in front of people, something I always admire about people when they're, their heart rate doesn't change when they get in front of a bunch of people, you know what I mean? I think that one, one interesting detail about that, you having an ability to, to be cool in front of a group of people is, um, I'll speak for myself, uh, but I know it's also uh, something a lot of people struggle with is visibility. Like it's, it is, we want, we want our skills, we want our talents to be out there in the world. And yet when it comes to being visible, it's a very scary thing to do, to present our art, to present ourselves, to, to appear. Yeah. What, Opening I, yourself up for judgment or whatever. Big time. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Did you have a moment as a kid where, or a young person where you, you crossed that threshold or did it remain a difficult time, difficult task for you for a long time? Yeah. Good question. I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, just going way back, um, my parents were always very encouraging of my passions, whatever it was. Um, so they would always kind of, they wouldn't mind like listening, you know, and it didn't seem like I was being annoying practicing or whatever. Um, so I guess it probably all stems from that. Mm. But uh, I would say that there are, there were some instances uh, where I would, where I would feel nervous. Um, but I think that that's a good thing. You know, I almost, yeah. I almost like want to feel that again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's a good, it's a good feeling and, and it, and you're going to take it serious and, and, it might up your game a little bit more in some way. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of the last time that I can remember that I felt that. Um, <laughs> You're I, not you pushing know, yourself, John. Really, but, um, but I would say it's it's actually kind of a good thing, you know, and mm -hmm. and it's kind of just a tribute to like you you should do the things even if they are uncomfortable to you, Yeah, you know, like that, if that uncomfortableness is enough to keep you from doing that, like that's not 
probably a good thing. Like you should, you should actually do that. And, and then I think what you'll find out is like, people don't really give a shit as much as you think they yeah. do, you yeah, know? You and it's, it's like when, when people, it's like a confidence thing is when you, when people realize that like their thought doesn't even matter on what you're doing, then their thoughts become like positive about it or so. I don't know how, how to explain oh, wow. that. It's like, because you're not projecting fear onto the what they may or may not be thinking anymore. Yes, yes. It's like their idea means nothing to what you're doing. So it's like their idea, their thought process becomes actually more positive. Like, and it it's a it's it's a weird thing because if you're projecting an insecure vibe or whatever then then somebody thinking that they're they're going to be thinking that and projecting that whereas like if if they don't even have to worry about it then they're having a good time and and not even thinking about it and it just kind of goes into the whole i don't want to say performance because it could happen in any any aspect of life but um you get a you get a lot better of a of a response that way it's like uh like tonight with which is probably one of the hardest things for me personally to do is is play music uh or do something that is pre pre memorized and to do it right in front of someone and by right i just mean like you know a song is better when the person singing it isn't stopping every line to remember what it is like there is a better and a not and a not so good <laughs> you know and there's also okay. street someone playing because i played church, i played music in church a lot and we would always have sheet music and and there's something also different between someone who like a band that knows their their songs and then the band that's like we're all mm -hmm. turning the pages together <laughs> sight reading no emotion yeah. i don't want to say yeah. no emotion you know but yeah this, well, there's, this, there's difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's things that I'm, I've been learning that really helping. Cause I, I need personally to get over this in life because life just isn't as fun, you know? And uh, I realize a few things and I'm kind of want to like focus on this a little bit because I think that like this person I've been um, like this friend of mine, um, they, we were talking about shadow and they want this part of themselves to come out that is kind of related to like a perform musical performer and their life. If that part of it themselves came out of the shadow and got to start to live in the real world, it would inform and balance out and affect all these other parts of their life. It's important. And I'm wondering if a lot of us wouldn't, if we really had our druthers, you know, and we could, we get whatever we wanted and, and be certain ways. I bet a lot of us would say, I would love to be able to perform in front of people to be that kind of like rock star and, you know, and not in an egotistical, like just everyone look at me way, but because of the pure fucking joy of being so expressive and free. Um, and so, free. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so for, for me, man, and John, you know, you, I see you when you're up there, you're in and, the way that like you move your body and you, you get lost. I'm just like, I, I was doing that last night, you know? Um, and so what I've found for me is, okay, 
we got to like Ron and I talk about the, um, the tool belt when we want to create something and there, we're finding a lot of resistance. Let's break out the fucking, the whole Batman tool, tool belt. Let's get after this thing. Let's, let's put everything into it. And I was like, okay, if I really want to do this and there's one of the great things about music and painting, it's one of the reasons I've chose those two things, you know, to, to put energy into podcasting you can do it till you're fucking dead practically you know like you don't have it's not it's not rock climbing it's not uh aggressive sport you know and so i was like okay there's a lot of time to get good and experience a lot of joy and togetherness with people how do i do this how do i really get through like this this experience of disassociating anytime someone's listening Hmm. to me you know, I, cause that's what it is. And that's, that's the awareness I've noticed recently. I'm like, Oh, that thing that happens to me psychologically, when I get in front of people, I would try to describe it. And then as we've gotten better as a society with what's going on in psychological terms, now I know, Oh, I fucking disassociate. Hmm. I leave my body. So no wonder I can't fucking remember the lyrics as well. Cause 40% of me is gone. You know, I was like, okay, so how do I not do that? And I've started to answer some of those questions and help myself out. First of all, don't play fast songs. So now I choose super slow songs because it gives me time. If I'm going to forget, it gives me time to come back in. And there's all kinds of tricks like that. And I think that's a great uh, thing for people to do. And I know you haven't probably had to do that a lot, John, but if you want to speak to any of that, go ahead. But you're like an inspiration of where I want to get to someday. Well, thank you. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think, I think um, when you're playing and and then you get in your head, like what might be sounding like is happening, uh, that's not good um, because you're not totally present. But that's what I'm saying is like this you isn't happening. Be thinking at all, almost like it should be no there should be almost no thought. I mean, as far as remembering lyrics and stuff, obviously you have to think about that and and stuff like that, but it's about as present as you can be in that moment is going to produce the best, the best thing. And even if it, even if it flops, I, I would like to think if like you're present it's it's okay you know it's like it's okay to flop you know and it's and what's even cooler is to like be able to flop and not care you know it's like it doesn't have to be perfect and I think it's it's good to remember that like it's very important to you but it's not very important to everybody else you know so it's like I think I think the more that you you like assume that everybody is judging and listening so intently and noticing every mess up, you're gonna create more mess ups and and sometimes the mess ups are actually what make it cooler and you just kind of own it. Um, but yeah, I don't even know is, if I'm answering the question. No, this, no why, it is. But. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm having some success around what we're talking about. Um, it's one of the reasons I took quite a break from from mu- music and playing in front of people is because I wanted to kind of reset and understand why this is happening and really get better at it. 
Cause like, I don't want to be the same musician I was 10, 15 years ago, which has been my MO. And so I'll sit and practice and be really kind to myself. And I'll be like, okay, this time I'm going to play this song and I'm going to not start over. Um, if I make a mistake, I'm going to pretend like I'm performing and I'm just going to be okay with that and take a little time, whatever. And I was like, okay. And that was working. And then I was like, other time, I'm going to play this slow enough to where I don't make any mistakes. Cause I'm going to actually, there's another idea of practicing where you slow it down and you only go as fast as you can go without making mistakes. And then you're burning in this, this thing that you're trying to learn. So those are opposing approaches, but for me, they're both really valuable. And so I do both of those. And now I'm like, Oh man, I can like have more fun and I'm more relaxed. And I think tonight is going to go really, really well. And by well, I don't mean not making mistakes. I mean, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to be okay with those. And I'm really looking forward to that because I also value that. I want to be an example for other people because most of the time around painting and creativity and music and performance, people are so fucking hard on themselves, you know? And it's just like, back off, man. We, we, as a, as a people are valuing, a public mistake that is accepted by the person who made it way more than a perfect performance in most situations I've noticed. I don't know if you, I don't know if anybody ever thinks that what they did is the perfect performance. I think as a viewer, you might think that, but as the performer, I don't know if you're ever really going to think that. So if you think that you are, then you're just going to let yourself down all the time. <laughs> I think it's just, I think it's just more in a sense of having a good time for yourself. And then hopefully other people have a good time. And if they don't, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, well, bring re re redefining the definition of perfection, I think is a great way to start. And that is to say, like, for me, a perfect performance might include a mistake, you know, because if I'm really kind to myself and I make a mistake and it doesn't derail things in like a, a way that wouldn't be enjoyable, like that's even better than if that didn't happen because what I'm about right now is messing things up a little bit and being a little messy and, and making mistakes and being okay with that. It's like a reparenting, rewiring, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, sometimes yeah. those mistakes actually turn into the the best thing about it too. Is like I remember when we were when we were painting together. Um, sometimes there would be those mistakes, but then actually, like <clears throat> you stop and think about it, and it's how to mold that mistake into whatever makes it work. And then in doing that, like a lot of times for me, even that would be some of the the best parts about that painting or about that song, you know, it's like, it's actually created out of a mess up or a mistake or whatever. I don't know it's what like, you call it. That's the Miles Davis. You hit the wrong note. Keep hitting it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, speaking of which, man, yeah. do you, uh, I, I know I, I didn't ask Ron about this, but uh, we've done it before. Do you mind outroing us a little bit with a little little piece of maybe a two or three minute little 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 piece of music?
I can do that. Yeah. I don't, I hope it translates on here. Um, I kind of just wrote this little one. Actually, I, it's kind of cool about this one. Um, it was from a dream. So like, this is one of the only times that this actually happened like so well was I was, I was asleep and I was playing a, a show right and i was singing the song and it was so i remembered it when i woke up and i was singing it when i woke up whoa and i was i was like That's pretty cool man That's i was amazing. like um i was like well should i go get the guitar and try to figure out how to play it and it happens before and i'm like oh i'm tired no I don't want to, I got to get up and go play for nine hours today. And, but I actually did it. And I actually was like, just strumming it. And it was the song. So then I like started to write down some of the words. Cause it just, you know, if I, if I let it go for an hour, it's probably going to be gone. So I actually voice memoed it on my phone and then wrote some stuff down and wrote the chords down. I'll grab my guitar. I haven't really, you know, perfected it or anything like that, but this is my new guitar. Love it. <clears throat> you know uh, that uh, the the book Misery came to Stephen King in a, in a dream. Whoa. Did it really? Yeah, whoa. I had the whole whole story in a dream on a transatlantic flight from America to, uh, to London. Wow. That's pretty cool. God, that's a hell of a story too, you know? Yeah. That's a good one. That's What's my, that? That's my song. Oh, I cool. wrote it on little, little pieces of paper. And then I was like, I wanted them all to be visible at the same time. Um, nice. Can you hear that? All right, let me get this back to where I can see. nice sounding guitar. Thank you. It's pretty much like one of the best one of the best ones there is it's it's like my dream guitar i just got it a couple months ago Congrats. thank you see the future shining bright Never needs to fight but our hands in the same day We all got so much to say And it'll be okay And it will be okay You know I thought in a dream I knew that everything would be I just had to sing the song And you know I knew it all along
by the hand I try to make you understand We can all just join the band So I'll be our biggest fan <laughs> Damn, I like man. That. Haven't Dude, seen that was hot. That was <laughs> like that? super fucking good, man. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's been dude. about ten years since a song has made me cry. First go. Are you serious? That's that's a, that's a solid one. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Thank dude. Dude, that's awesome. that's magical. If you have a if you have a recording of that, and you want to send it to us, we'll put it on here. I mean, this I'll keep this shit. It's really really good. But if you've got another one, man, that's. I don't. This is probably the first like thing of that i mean i have you know when i did it and wrote it like that but i probably never sang it like that before exactly but really that was beautiful and really good man thanks for coming on and uh and that makes me kind of sad because uh there's all those nights at your place um you know a good day of work in the books and then have some whiskey or have a toke or have both and you're playing music and and I just, you've brought so much fucking joy to my life, John, like, I appreciate like back then and it echoes now. So to, to see you play like that, I just go right back to those times. And I really hope that we can spend some time around each other in the same, the same place soon. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. And and thanks for having me on here and talking and laughing and yeah, all kinds of stuff. It's good start to my my day off today. So <laughs> nice. um, I appreciate it. And thanks for, you know, being comfortable having me on here. You know, I'm essentially yeah. like a nobody. So it's kind of like cool to feel like, you know, I'm special enough to have on here. Yeah, you yeah. certainly are. You really are, John. And, and uh, here, man. And also, man, let's uh let's do some more of those Zoom painting sessions. We we paint together through Zoom, Ron. Me and me and That's John awesome. do it. That's sometimes. beautiful. Yeah, and I'm gonna send you a picture of this painting just to just to have you look at it. Okay. Is there a big rug over a really nice tile floor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hi, brother, man. Take okay, care. Okay, you guys man. have a great day, Ron. Thanks, nice John. to meet you. Yeah, you too, man. Um, and and hopefully we can all get together someday in yeah. the future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hanging out sometime. I know it'll happen. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. See you guys. John Silvestri, song made me cry. Beautiful. 
really yeah, beautiful. I, saw you I needed that. That was a there. that was a drink of water for me. That was really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't talk about it. Yeah. Well, when you were when I saw you do that, because I I saw you kind of like an emotional, you know, and then and I was like, whoa. And then that, that kind of got me feeling the direction I was just talking with John about, you know, just mm. and all those times and that that joy. You know, I always think about when you live work or are in some way connected to someone day in and day out and then you become really close friends and then you know whether that's school being part of a team um, being neighbors and then you're really really close but you still spending time together and then you move and then instantly not instantly but sometime in the future you look back from this perspective of being so far away from each other and you look back and you think, I used to be able to go to this guy's house every day. Yeah. And you go like, like that would be like gold in my hands right now. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, I was in my morning meditation, I was really asking for more community in my life today. Mm. And for that very reason, that that's yeah. symbiosis of a creativity and magic and encouragement and reflection. And I'm glad, I mean, you and I are doing this better now than we've ever have in our life. You know, we didn't, we didn't spend that time together when you lived here. Yeah. This is, this is it though, too. There was a reel I saw the other day that said something like, why don't we naturally understand that the good old days are now? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Why can't we know they're happening when they're happening? And I was like, I do. And you and I are experiencing that. Yeah. And, but also we can create it in some ways and be open to it and, I always say, if you don't live with someone and next to them or work with them, it's hard to spend time with people, you know? Yeah, and, it really is. And, um, but I, I want to let you know too, John's the one that we're talking about being the person to um, um, compose the music for our podcast series on my story. That's him. But I, I, I know, you know, I just know we just have a couple minutes here, but yeah. I'm just curious your closing thoughts on the conversation. And- uh, I mean, John's a magical person in the sense that he he knew there was value in investing in his artistic creative self in the in the face of in the face of everything not working out. And and I know for me, I won't speak for anybody else. I know for me, I didn't do that over and over and over again. And I'm just now as an as an adult, as a dad, I have a ton of responsibilities, a lot of things that are in my hands that I now have a very limited bandwidth for investing in myself creatively. And yet I know that even just a little bit every day is, is way more valuable than it's ever been. Like it is, it is, it feels like proper nutrition. It's as good as a good night of sleep. It's as good as being hydrated. It's as good as anything else. I mean, it's like, I, and I have to do it. And I, at first I was experiencing a lot of despair of like, Oh, I should have done this a long time ago. And I should have, that's not, that doesn't make that not true. But the, the despair of going, what could have been has to be put on the back shelf at this point and go, well, I have now the good old days are now, like you said. And, and it's, is it's more important now than ever. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get to the end and not feel like at least squeeze the tube out of the, out of the, the paint, <laughs> you know, like I want to, squeeze the paint out of the tube. Like I want to know that I just did that. That's interesting. You said that. I think, I think that I got to share something around my great aunt's tubes of paint. And she left me those tubes of paint. Right. Mm. 
And some of them, I waited too long and they dried up. And mm. I would like look at them and I would be like, wow, that's like, because now I value paint like gold. They, yeah. You want to get me like with, like I'm like sweating and flushing and getting all hot and bothered. <laughs> Give me a hundred, two hundred, a thousand dollars to go to a art store and buy a bunch of top quality paint. It's yeah. fucking, it's like gold, man. It's yeah. so cool. And I was like, wow, that's really sad. And, and it's only because I waited because some of those things dried up. They were fine when I started painting seven years ago yeah. and they dried since then. And so when John sold me for $30, one of the many times I walked out of his house, having given him 30 bucks, <laughs> I walked out with this big bag of paints of his because he had been making more money and could buy better paints. And these were more beginning quality paints. Yeah. And I fucking took them and I squeezed every milliliter out of every one of those and I didn't let the same thing happen that I did with yeah. my, my hands. And that's a good metaphor for life, man. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks for bringing your friend on here. And I, I, it's like, I'm, I'm a little shocked that he and I didn't know each other. Yeah, me too. Here. In the same hood for years. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Well, yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate it. I know you were a little nervous about bringing him on and, and it was only good. It was only good. It was really good. Well, you know, like you saw when he tried to explain a few things, he doesn't always have the words, you know, and that that's, that's John too. You know, he, yeah. he's a feeler dude. He, it does not get caught in his head, man. And that's, well, I mean, describing something like you said and living something are two different things. Yeah. And, and we yeah. have the, you know, we've got hundred to almost 200 hours of practice on here and, and you know, that's, I don't know if we're good yet. I mean, we're probably, you know, if we, we probably have uh 9,800 more hours to go before we can well, call ourselves good conversationalists, right? It becomes clear though, when people haven't had that time for sure, yeah. you know, or don't have the natural ability, you know, because to articulate what, what, it, how to live life, you know, and, and, and to articulate our process of learning how to live life. Yeah it's a huge commodity these days. And, you know, I was nervous about having John on because he's a goddamn gem, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if that'd translate. <laughs> well, it did. I mean, I think for me, I mean, if, if I'm just purely selfish and what I got out of this man, that I watching him play his guitar and listen to that song and feeling that like the, that translated, you know, is, is it did. It totally did. Yeah. I needed to hear that song right now in my life. Wow. Well, thank you for, for, for supporting that. It meant a lot to me. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Love you, dude. Okay. Good to Love see you. Man. All right. Take care.